what is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. January 3rd, 2020, episode 112. 2020. Happy Are you New- Barbara Walters? This is 2020. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, bro. New year, new season of Off the Groove. Season three starts today. Yeah. I like I like that that's, idea. I don't know. That's crazy. I, I, I like it too. I mean, it'll be easier to keep track of things and yeah. we can go back and follow up and see what happened when. And I love it. 112 episodes is pretty amazing to me. So should we say it's episode one or is it still episode 112? Well, if you want to be like Netflix and everything, season three, episode one. But I like 112 because it's big. <laughs> Guess what, Carter? What's up, Scotty? 70 days till Daytona TT. It's not a lot of days. It's going to be here before you know it. Absolutely. There were some famous number 70s. I don't know how famous they were, but Johnny Lebo had it for 17 years. And a funny story about him, I actually have his old leathers. When I started riding for Laurel Lake, they were actually Johnny Lebo's leathers that D had made for Johnny Lebo. Evidently, we were pretty much the same size because they fit like they were tailored to fit me. So pretty cool about that. He had the national number 70 for 17 years. Before him was Mike Scott, who had it in the 90s. Mark Williams, another famous number 70, had it for seven years in the 60s and the 70s. Cool deal. You know, I like numbers and facts. You do. So Daytona's right around the corner. Uh, we have a new year here. Most of these contracts are up, so I think we're going to start hearing from a lot of these riders as far as their plans and what they got going on for the 2020 season. I'm sure we'll start hearing more press releases from AFT in the next coming weeks because I'm sure that they've... Uh, They've got a few things to announce as well. But, you know, it's still kind of been pretty silent. The biggest news in the flat track community that uh, happened over the break, though, and it happened just before the clock struck midnight uh, on December 31st, 2019, Briar Bauman proposes to Shayna Texter. And that was pretty cool. They had everybody there just as a, you know, to celebrate the championship and stuff like that. But yeah. I think deep down, I think Briar knew what he was going to do. And congratulations to those two. It's been a long time coming. Uh, I'm happy for him. I think that's pretty pretty cool if we have another husband and wife that races because that was Jared and Nicole for a little while. And now we'll have Shayna and Briar. will be interesting to hear the date they set and all when I'm sure it's going to go down in the next year or two. And uh, yeah, I think she was uh, she was actually surprising him with bringing all his friends in to celebrate the, the championship. And then little did she know he had a surprise for her. And super cool deal. It's something that the whole flat track community has has wanted to happen for a while so congrats to Pryor, congrats to Shayna, and uh that's gonna be one hell of a wedding for sure i wonder who's taking which last name i mean which last name are they gonna use i'm pretty sure that she'll take Pryor's last name or no maybe not maybe she just keeps her last name texter name is pretty uh synonymous with flat track too so we'll see he's gonna go from being Shayna's boyfriend to being Shayna's husband that's gonna be the biggest change that's about it yeah yeah in other big news yeah ryan wells going to be riding for Dave and Rhonda Waters. The Waters Auto Body team picking up Ryan Wells. He rode for him before, and I'm going to be interested to see how he does on the KTMs. Yeah, he. I think he's he's going to be riding a singles program, uh, and then he's going to ride some production twins as well, because I think they have, a, or at least they, they posted a picture of him with a twin as well, so we'll see what happens there. But I think it'll be good for him to ride a, ride a twin again, even if it is selected races throughout the season at those production twin races. I think he'll... He'll focus on the AFT Singles Championship and then run the Twins when it's convenient for everybody and when it works out. I'm stoked that Dave and Rhonda are going to be uh, 
racing again for a for a season um and you know brian's a, a proven champion in the singles class so it's a little different than when he won a championship in 2016 but he still he can still compete he won a race last year right yeah he's still fast he still has the skills i'm just i don't know if he's gonna move back to new york because that's where he's from i don't know if he's gonna move back to new york i don't know what his plans are he probably likes out in phoenix where he can ride all the time but uh for more convenience for the team and travel it'd be better if he moved back to new york but you know that's that's up to those guys i can maybe get some details on that next week when the uh throwdown happens next saturday i thought he's moving in with you i mean you got an extra room <laughs> i'm gonna be pretty full for that next weekend i got a, a few house guests coming so um, it's going to be good. You were uh, out at DeCoin last weekend, right, for some indoor racing. Yeah, it was cool. I haven't been to DeCoin since 2015 when we raced the mile out there the last time uh, there was a Grand National out there. And there was a Grand National in the indoor that I was at. And it was cool, man. That track is so cool. The dirt's really, really neat. They didn't have to do a lot of track maintenance. Uh, man, I think I announced about 300 races, it seemed like. I mean, it was a long day on Saturday. Some people loaded up and left and didn't come back for Sunday. But uh, lots of fast guys were there. The dirt was awesome. A couple of guys went down. I hope all those uh, riders recover. Matthew Gunther, one of our number one top listeners, went down, uh, dislocated his shoulder. I think mm. a little hairline fracture in his wrist and it rang his bell pretty good, but I think he'll be all right. So I just hope all those riders heal up quick. And uh, the good news is we got a long time you know, to heal up before Daytona. And uh, man, it was, it was a great event. I'm glad Kelly and uh, Steve Nace had me up there for that event. Anytime I can see Jeffrey Carver run on that Rotax... I'm a happy dude for sure. Um, so, oh, what? That brings up a point. They told me Friday night. Oh, I forgot to mention too. They're trying the new Hoosier tires, which they look like they're working pretty well. But yeah. Friday night on the Rotax, he was going in the corner, laying it so far over, he's taking his left hand off the handlebar and dragging it on the ground. Yeah, that's what he was I, saying. I heard about it. Yeah. I didn't see it, but man, I, I wish I could have been there to see that because that's that's pretty low. I saw him do it at Callahan last year when he had that Rotax, and he talked a little bit about how he gets those Woods Rotaxes, and it's, he could just do that at like three or four tracks now. So it's it's pretty badass to see. And dude, that, that dude on a Rotax is, is something to watch for sure. Absolutely. And speaking of Jeffrey Carver, this week on our podcast, we're going to talk to his mechanic for 2020. Yeah, I think we've talked, you know, uh, over the course of the past two weeks, we've heard from a lot of different people uh, that are going to be involved in this effort for 2020. I know we're not supposed to pick favorites, but I, I got to tell you, man, I'm, I'm real stoked to see how this is going to come together next year. From from what I'm understanding, they, they haven't really worked together a lot, but they all kind of have the same vibe and they all have the same goals. And I look forward to seeing what they do for 2020. As far as I know right now, they're the only wild card team that has, you know, came out and said that's what they're going to do. You know, we know the factory team is what they're going to do. We know the Briggs Auto team. We know Team Nyla, what, you know, they're coming in as a full-on Super Twins team. As far as we know right now, this is the only wild card team. So, like we talked last week, Carter, it's basically the only privateer. Some other teams are privateers too, but... They're true privateers doing it as a wild card. They're not the only ones at this point that we know that are doing it. They're the only ones that are out there talking about it, right? Like, uh, so I think it's cool to, to, to hear what people are thinking about in the off season, how things are coming together and, you know, where they're at, you know, as we are less than three months now to this, to the start of this 2020 season. So I don't know much about Bigelow. I've heard a lot about him from riders about, you know, how they, how he raced in the past, but I'm looking forward to hearing, you know, his little, his backstory and uh, what his thoughts are on this new team and plans for 2020. Yeah. And I, I want to know how he went from being a writer, then he left for a while and then he came back as a mechanic. So I want to know how all that developed and how that transitioned. And another part of this that we may want to um, do a quick call into Cully too, because I think uh, he's got a hand in this effort is from, from the fabrication end of, uh, 
of what they're doing for 2020 in this new team. So maybe we'll hear a little bit about what he plans to contribute. Let's call him up. Who do you want to call first? I don't care. Either one. You you do the dial and I'll start talking. <laughs> this should be fun. This is Cully. Number 88 in your program. Number one in your heart is Cully Mullage. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't even know how to say your last name. Everybody says it different. How do you say your last name? Melage, Mileage, Melage, whatever. Melage, what? <laughs> whatever Milage, what? The easiest, I guess. <laughs> okay, all right, but it's Millage, right? It's, it's actually Millage. Yes, yes. Um, right. If I'm talking all to right. a pretty girl, sometimes I'll I'll say it's Melage, but uh, that's that's okay. pretty rare. That, that's. That's how I get confused, I guess, hanging around with you and, and those <laughs> other guys. So so what have you been doing, man? I haven't seen you for a little while. Uh, yeah, I've been kind of tucked away in the cold tundra of South Dakota, and I uh, flip houses by day and work in the shop at night. So I, I'm working on a couple projects for uh, 2020 in the shop right now, and we got a couple house projects going on. So I, uh, I stay plenty busy, that's for, for sure. Did anybody tell you you don't have to stay there in Sioux Falls? I mean, you can leave. It's it's a free country. Yes, I've I've heard that. Like a few people have said that, um, and I have actually ventured out to much nicer places. But the problem is, Scotty, is when your family lives here and you've got a couple young nieces and and you want to see them, it makes it tough to uh, to leave. But yes, there is there is much nicer places out there. I understand. I understand. Family is very important. So, uh, is, is my understanding, we're both born in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and that's where you still live, right? Yep. Yep. I still reside in Sioux Falls. Right on. So, how did you get into motorcycles? Motorcycle-wise, obviously, I, I did some racing when I was when I was a little younger. Uh, I flat track raced and kind of worked my way up through the amateur ranks and and went to amateur nationals and stuff and did okay and ended up getting a, a pro singles license at the time. And I rode that for a year and, and uh, gotten a couple main events and stuff. And uh, I didn't set the, the world on fire by any means, but had fun and went, went, went kind of fast at times. And, and uh, that was about it. Um, but then as time went on, I started getting into fabricating and here we are now. So how did you get into fabrication? I mean, what, would you start building pipes first or what, how, you know, how did you start doing this? Yeah, uh, good question. Um, it really kind of started in, in uh, high school, kind of freshman, sophomore year. I started taking these, these uh, technical classes at a remote facility and uh, there was welding and machining. And, you know, of course, there's all these different stages of, you know, MIG welding to TIG welding and all these different things. And, and uh, I really started to enjoy it. And um, I started getting some equipment of, of my own. And I just kept improving my skills and spending a lot of time on it. And actually, the first major fabrication project I did is um, I built this custom bike in high school and uh, kind of turned out neat, you know, built the the chassis and all of that and, and painted it up and, and was able to, to sell it, which is pretty surprising. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another, I got, um, into the exhaust deal a little bit and kind of how that happened was 
uh, Henry Wiles and I at that point were were pretty close friends and and uh, we had worked together and and uh, I actually built him an exhaust pipe for one of his KX450s going to Castle Rock like you mentioned the national out there and uh, I drove all the way out there with him in the van and actually another one of my buddies did too uh, from from back home Sioux Falls I think you know Gunner um, yep, or remember yep. him and uh, we went out there and uh, crazy enough, uh, we won the national and then, uh, I got my first victory lap out there. So that was really, really cool. Uh, we did a big burnout on the front stretch. I'll never forget it. And, uh, <laughs> the next weekend we, uh, we won Peoria. So back to the, the exhaust business thing. Uh, I had a couple orders after that. It kind of, it started off there. And it was called Culico Pipes or Culico or what What was it called? Yeah, Culico. Yep, Culico Products. Right on. And so is that still your company name? Are you still making stuff like under that name or you started something else now? Yeah, so I, I still got Culico and, and I've done various projects over the last few years, but um, I'm pretty involved in flipping houses at this point too. So my time's kind of split between, uh, uh, real estate stuff and shop stuff. So I, that's kind of, yeah, that's what I've been up to. That's pretty cool. So you, you first got on the national scene helping out, uh, Henry Wiles, but then I also saw you working for Zanotti for a little while. Uh, how long did you work for Zanotti and who else did you work for after that? Yeah, you know, that in 2015, uh, the race season, I, I lived in San Jose and worked with Dave Zanotti, and that was a, a really, really good experience for me, you know. Um, I'll never forget some of the stuff, like, at, at that point, I must have been 21, you know, uh, and I'll never forget some of the stuff, like, his buddies in San Jose said, you know, when I first got out there, like, this isn't going to be easy, you know, Dave's going to you know, he's a tough guy to work for and he's a perfectionist and all this stuff. And, and, uh, you know, it actually went really well. Uh, Dave and I got along well and, and I learned a lot of cool stuff from him. He's obviously a, an extremely knowledgeable guy. And, and, uh, yeah, the 2015 was a fun year for me. I got to build a lot of stuff on the, on the Zanotti bike. Then who'd you work for after that? 2016, um, I, did, I did a couple rounds, nothing crazy. Uh, Brian Smith and I went to Daytona together, and he did pretty good down there on a single. Uh, but the following year, um, in 2017, I was uh, fortunate enough to, to be selected for the first, uh, the, the, the Indian team there when, when uh, Factory Indian first came to the, the series in 17, when it was Howerton heading it up and we had Smith and Baker in our pits and I was uh, one of the guys on Baker's bike. So, you know, I'll always be thankful to, to do that. And um, that was a really, really neat experience. Man, that is so cool. So you've worked with some of the head, you know, the top dogs in our sport, you know, Zanotti team, they won championships now Indian winning championships. That's pretty cool. So I guess that brings us to what's going on right now. I just recently, uh, it was announced that, you know, James Monaco, Jeffrey Carver getting together, Brian Bigelow's the tuner, and you're on board to do some fabrication work. So how did all this come together on your end? Going into 2020, uh, 
Bigelow and I and Wiles did some stuff together last year. Um, I had built a couple uh, new chassis and stuff for the FTR, and we did some testing together. And, uh, you know, after the uh, the announcement of Wiles going to the singles program with, with Richie there, um, I was still very interested in being involved in some way in 2020. And, and uh, you know, I guess I was just making a couple phone calls. And, and uh, Monaco and I have always been, been good friends. He actually traveled with us back in 2015 on the Zanotti deal. I mean, we did a we did hours and hours behind the windshield of the Zanotti truck together. And, and, uh, so we stayed in contact and Jeff and I had always been buddies. And, and, uh, so really kind of how it started is, is Jimmy speed and I had a conversation and I said, Hey man, you know, uh, are you still going to be in racing? I mean, are you still going to be around the track next year? And kind of the conversation, um, you know, transitioned into, uh, yeah, I want to be at the racetrack and, and, uh, I felt like racing as well. And, and, uh, it kind of went to a place of maybe we should team up and, and try and, uh, take this thing on, you know? And, uh, he had mentioned that he had talked to Carver quite a bit about the upcoming season and it just one thing led to another, you know? And, and, um, as far as Bigelow, uh, him and I have become, you know, real close over the winter. And, and, uh, as soon as, as soon as I, I felt like there was some traction from, from Jimmy speed and Carver, I wanted to get Bigelow on board as soon as possible. You know, I mean, I, I reached out to him and, and, uh, he seemed interested and, and it kind of went from there, man. What a cool story, how, how a team comes together like that. It's pretty neat. So we talked to Bigelow already. He's going to be on the podcast after we get done with you. But he mentioned that he's going to be doing most of the stuff up there at his shop in Wisconsin. You're going to be doing a lot of stuff in South Dakota. So are you spending time going back and forth, or do you build stuff in your shop and then take it to Bigelow's shop? How's all that going to work out? Uh, good question. You know, Bigelow, yeah, the team is, is going to be based out of Bigelow's shop over in Michigan, he's got a full facility over there with the dyno and, and, uh, temperature controlled shops and everything you need to, to run just a, a good race program. And, uh, not to mention his skill sets, they're, you know, very high and, and, uh, he's very good at what he does. And it's been, uh, it's been a pleasure working with him over the last couple of years and getting to know him and stuff. Um, but as far as, as my involvement, yeah. Um, I'm going to be doing a lot of the work back here. So of course there'll be a ton of exhaust stuff and some different chassis stuff and all kinds of machine work. And we're just, you know, putting our heads together on a lot of different stuff for these bikes moving forward. And I'll be able to build a lot of that here in, in uh, Sioux Falls and, and ship that over to Brian, um, you know, cause I'll have fixtures and jigs and things like that. And, uh, but yeah, there, there will be, I will be floating back and forth uh, quite a bit, I would imagine, over the next race season. That's awesome, man. I, I love this story. I really do. So talk about Bigelow. He was he was a heck of a rider, a very aggressive rider, but a very good rider, won a couple of nationals. Um, when did you guys become friends? I know you said you got tight over this last winter, but when did you guys become friends? Yeah, so I just met Bigelow uh, last year. You know, when he got involved with Wiles, I didn't know him before that. Um, so actually, uh, the first time I met him was last winter when I was kind of in the middle of these, these new 
uh, chassis project for the FTR, and uh, I got to go to a shop and meet him, and he, you know, was obviously a very reasonable guy and easy to get along with, and uh, we just kind of, you know, stayed in touch since then, and and then uh, we went racing in Daytona, and we did a a handful of rounds uh, last year together with Wiles, and and uh, yeah, just just became buds, I guess. That's that's really cool. So, let's before we move off of Henry Wiles a little bit, what do you think he's going to do in 2020 on the singles? I know we've got a few opinions from from Bigelow, and we haven't talked to Wiles himself yet, but how do you think he's going to do in 2020? Man, I I think he's going to do outstanding. I really do. Um, you know, I like the story. Uh, I was happy for him to see the announcement. I think he's going to do really well in 2020. Um, and I think that the season opener in Daytona is going to be a uh, Henry Weil show, personally. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think he's going to be really hard to beat, especially, you know, he rode those 450s and won so many nationals on those 450s, as you are a part of it. But uh, I think he's going to do really good, too. Um, setting up a new team, er- everything getting in place, what are your expectations for 2020 for Carver and the new team? You know, um, with Jeffrey Carver, obviously in the last month or two since this thing's been um, being put together, we've we've got to have a, a series of conversations and get to know each other a little better than we ever have. And and uh, you know I've got a lot of a lot of um, you know positive hope for for 2020. You know I mean we've seen Jeff Carver and what he can do over the last few years, whether it be with a a good team like roof systems or a privateer effort or, or whatever. I mean, he's just got a lot of talent, you know, he's a, he's a guy that <laughs> broke the draft in 2018 at Springfield and, and, you know, put, he'll put on a show against Jared and Briar at some of these places. And, you know, for me, and, and I, I think I can speak for Brian as well. I, I, I think we're both very excited to, to work with Jeffrey moving forward. I think he's got a, a ton of talent, like I say, and, and uh, I think he's a good guy too. I think he, we're going to enjoy um, working with him in the pits and and just you know being with him on a on a weekly basis and and trying to to take down these other teams, you know. Yep, I, I love it. So will you will you ride only the Grand Nationals, or you're going to go to those two, or or are you going with him to other non-nationals? And and you know, I just didn't know if you're going to all these races with them, or are you staying home in the shop? Uh, yeah. So what I know right now is, is, um, we're signed up for, uh, 14 grand nationals as a wild card. And, uh, I will be at all of those with, with Bigelow. Um, I'll help him drive the truck (laughs) and, uh, we'll, we'll be there together. As far as anything, anything, uh, outside the, the AFT circuit, we haven't had a lot of conversation about that. So, you know, maybe there'll be a few of those as well. That's cool, man. We definitely appreciate your time. Before we let you go, we usually have a question from Graham, and Graham said, a hometown boy, she's so excited to have somebody from Sioux Falls on the podcast, but Pa actually has the question. You know my family, and they know you, of course, but Pa wants to know, what year did you become an active member at your local track, Sioux Valley Cycle Club? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, Had to have been about... 2008 or 2007 that's cool man 2007 
Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. There's been a lot of fast guys that came out of there. I remember Garrett Cleese came out of there and won a lot of races. But what has it meant to you to be have you know have that club right there in Sioux Falls, the Sioux Valley Cycle Club, the short track, the TT? There's a motocross track there, ice racing. What does it mean to you to be a part of that and and to have that right there in your backyard? Uh, it's it's really neat. You know, I mean, it's it's a tight knit group. Um, around here as as it is with any racing community in a local area you know and and uh i've got to meet a lot of great people over the years and and uh i remember when i was getting involved i was starting kind of late you know i was 12 13 and some of the other kids were racing since they were four or five you know but i always remember um when i did get involved you know they they were they were very welcoming and supportive right when I, you know, started showing up and going racing. And I never really forgot that, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, there's a lot of good people around here. Like you say, you know, Garrett Khalees and I were good friends growing up and he won a lot of nationals and, uh, on a single and, and, uh, you know, there's some other names too, before the, the, the Cullico business or whatever. Uh, I built a lot of exhaust pipes with Bill Barrett. He's in this area. He's got a company called Bill Built. Um, you know, so he's just 20 minutes away and he's another fab guy that's, you know, got a lot of skills and stuff. And there's just, the list goes on, you know. Um, but, but to answer your question, it's a, it's a good uh, racing community in this area. And uh, the, the cycle club there is, is a cool facility. I mean, ice racing, motocross and flat track all in a, you know, single mile radius is pretty sweet. Yeah, it's a pretty cool place for sure. I I spent a lot of time there as a little kid on tractors and helping my dad and I think mom ran concessions, Graham ran signups and man, I just I spent a lot of time out there myself. So it's pretty cool. Uh before we let you go, we got our rapid fire questions coming up. So uh I don't know if you listen to the podcast or not, but I want you to say the first thing that comes to mind when you ask these next few questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is your favorite motorcycle? Probably the Howerton uh skinny bike. The Kawasaki, right. the skinny bike that was on display. Right on, man. That thing, that thing was a, a an awful different looking motorcycle. It reminded me of a trials bike. It was so skinny and so small, man. I love that one too. Uh, what's your favorite racetrack? Whether as as a rider, as a mechanic, as as a spectator, what's your favorite track? Man, I think I would have to go with either Meadowlands or Rapid City. I think Meadowlands, though. Wow. All right. That's interesting. The first time I've heard that answer. So that's cool. Uh, what's your, what was your favorite thing or what is your favorite thing to, you know, to customize or for you to build something? What is your favorite thing to do? Um, now that I've got into the chassis game, I would say, uh, building frames is probably the most interesting to me. All right. I like that. Which do you like more racing motorcycles or, you know, fabricating and working on them? fabricating for sure no kidding <laughs> all right yes so so we got it we got a tricky one we, we kind of save it for the end but uh, what are you most proud of probably the just the skills that i've acquired over the years and and uh you know the network of people that i've met over the years that's what i gotta say just the the friends that i've made within the industry and and the uh the network of people that i've I've been able to to meet. Yeah, I'm right there with you. You know, coming from a small town, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, 
getting to do the things that we do, I think uh, I think we're both pretty lucky. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. So it's the end of the episode. It's your chance to say thanks to anybody. Did you want to thank anybody while we got you on here? Yeah, yeah. Thank uh, you know, thank you for everybody who's who's allowed me to be a part of their program and and taught me various things over the years. You know, you got the the David Zanatis and the Ricky Howertons and you know the Don Kissingers and some of the riders like Baker and Wiles and you know uh, thanks to Bigelow for the stuff that I've learned over the last few years and and uh, yeah thank you Henry Wiles and yeah let's keep moving forward and uh, hey I, I appreciate you guys doing this deal with me and, and calling me it was a lot of fun I've never got to do anything like this so uh, shout out to you guys and and again thanks for doing it. Sounds good, Coley. Thanks so much for your time, and, and I wish you guys great success in 2020. Yeah, I appreciate it, Scotty. I didn't think you were going to guess who it was, but you knew it was Coley right away, huh? Yeah, I saw the 605 area code when it joined our call. So 605, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Actually, most of the state of South Dakota is 605, and and uh, that's where I'm from, and it's good to talk to somebody from my old hometown. Yeah, I mean, I knew absolutely nothing about that dude i don't know much about the guy we're going to talk to in a bit but it's good it's good to hear you know his background and what he's hoping to contribute to this new team um you want to call biggs next yeah let's call him up all right what up dude biggs what are you doing i'm putting the transmission together for carbo right now what are you doing Well, I'm just sitting here in Oklahoma wishing I was at a racetrack. I mean, I, I did an indoor last weekend in DuCoin, Illinois, and, and I sure like going there, but it wasn't the same not being at the mile. You know, working in indoor is a little bit different. But uh, So you're actually working on motorcycles? I thought you had a real job. Nope, nope. Our family sold our uh, trucking company that we had a few years ago, and uh, I basically run a a small business out of uh, the shop at my house where uh, dyno, dyno motorcycles, build ice tires, and uh, every now and then build some Indians to go fly track racing. Right on. Have you have you been on the ice yet? I mean, is it cold enough up there? We've been on a few times. It's actually open water right now. I'm looking out my window right now, and there's some open water, so it's been a, it's been a crazy winter. But, yeah, uh, my, my friends and myself have been out a few times, um, you know, scratching the itch. I don't ride any time but, uh, but, on, the, but on the ice. So when it freezes, um, we stop what we're doing, and that's what we do. So uh, we're looking forward to doing a little bit more of it here. So, so tell me this. Everybody <laughs> says ice is more reliable, more, more traction, and more consistent than dirt. So you can go faster on ice. Is that right? No question, man. Yeah, the tires and some of the technology has gotten pretty, uh, pretty extreme. So yeah, it's uh, the, the amount of traction is absolutely incredible. So uh, it's it's much easier to to ride on ice than it is, uh, you know, for, like flat track per se. But uh, so it takes guys like me who are past past way past my prime, and uh, it, it can go pretty fast on the ice. So yeah, Scotty, this is a sport for people like yourself and and me for sure. Yeah, that sounds good. I I need all the help i can get i'm i'm old and slow now so one one day i'll have to get up there and, and ride some ice with you but uh let's let's dive in deep let's get to know brian bigelow a little bit uh excited to hear about the news we'll talk about that in just a little bit but let's go way back so where were you born brian man i was born about uh, 200 yards from where i'm talking to you right now man in a little town in northern michigan called Gray. Uh, born and raised here, right across the street, was my family's trucking company, and uh, we hauled, hauled boats from the manufacturer to the uh, to the customer. 
Uh, one thing led to another, man, and uh, I built a home uh, probably about a quarter of a mile away from my parents' house on a, a little back road here on an 11-acre pond and kind of out in the middle of the woods. And, um, yeah, so I haven't ventured very far from where I grew up. So you like the small town living, huh? That's all I know. That's all I know. So if you guys get a chance to talk to Cully, uh, he'll he'll probably laugh. But yeah, so our town we have a we have a bank, a gas tank, and a gas uh, gas station, and a subway, and that's about it. And that's about all that Brian Bigelow can handle. So yeah, I'm a small town guy. <laughs> Man, I had I had no idea. I mean, I just knew that you guys had a trucking company, and I just didn't know where you grew up or anything like that. So you, you mentioned the truck company a little bit out in the middle of nowhere. So how did you get involved in motorcycles? Yeah, so I was just no different than you know most uh, you know most kids. I had a I had a, um, a little dirt bike and rode it in my backyard. And you know, my my father he raced uh, way back when, uh, not at a very high level, but he he raced. And so um, got into doing some ice racing. And when I was uh, about five years old, and one thing led to another, and off we go to the amateur ranks and then the pro ranks, and was able to win a few nationals. And it was it was a good career. I, I don't regret anything. Um, just like anybody, you wish you won more. Maybe even could it would be great if we could win a, a championship, but that never happened. But yeah, what a great career. Um, and stepped away from it for about ten years. So I, I retired in 2009, focused on a family business. And then we sold the sold the business, and one thing led to another. And uh, I thought I was, uh, you know, going to be completely done with flat track. I kind of tried to forget about it a little bit. And um, next thing you know, um, I'm at the track with with Henry and building bikes. And here we're talking today. So it's it's been fun. Man, that's crazy. Do you remember your first race? I sure do. Little ice race up here in northern Michigan, and I was the kid who uh, I put both feet down in the left-hander. So when I went into a left-hander corner, I put both feet down. All right. Did 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 you do good? Did you win? Did you get second? Do you remember? I, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. <laughs> I gotcha. So so a lot of ice racing, obviously, growing up in Michigan. But what other kinds of uh, dirt tracks did you did you learn to ride on? You know, basically in Michigan, it's such a funny story. You know, in, in Michigan and Ohio, you know, everybody's known for the, yeah, for the for the cushion tracks, the pea gravel tracks, and that's something that I grew up on. And I thought I was fairly, you know, fairly good at that. Um, my first national that I tried qualifying for was at Lima. Uh, I made that national, and things were good. And then my pea gravel skills um they they tapered off quickly and i became like my 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 favorite tracks were the slippery car tracks um things like that which was kind of odd but yeah around us it was um it was more of the the fairground style half mile stuff that's what i grew up on which uh which is is so interesting because that was probably one of my biggest struggles throughout my professional career so what is it about motorcycle racing that appealed to you you know, just just like most people, Scotty, it's it's a competition. Um, um, just you know, striving obviously to to be the best. And flat track was always always interests me because no different than really today to some degree. Um, you could take a small privateer team, or when I first started uh, my professional career, just my father and myself. And we could go to a race, and you had a shot at winning. If we were road racing or supercross or something like that, that's not quite so true um so what interests me about flat track is 
we could build bikes in this little town in northern Michigan, and, and, and given the right day and the right circumstances, you could win. And that is what drives me and still drives me today on the other side of it, being, being a crew chief. Do you think that still applies what you just said, that you could still you know race out of a shop out of your backyard you think you go flat track racing? Do you think it still applies today? 100%. I think that, you know, to, to win a championship and to have the resources for 18 rounds and the depth of a team, meaning the amount of personnel and, and all that, I think that might be a little far-fetched today. But, um, yeah, absolutely. I think it, as far as winning races and, and, and being competitive week in, week out, 2018, Henry Wiles and I proved that. We had a, a budget that was that was so low, I'm not going to tell you. We had one motorcycle for the first half of the season and handfuls of podiums and laps led and second in the championship. And the only the only team to, uh, to to complete every lap of every practice heat race semi main event. It's it's real, Scotty. And and if if, if Henry and I can accomplish that, other others can too. So um, that that's that's hope. That's a lot of hope. Um, after what we saw last year with with a lot of dominate domination from Briar and Jared, that's that we started to question that. But it, it is it is definitely capable. Um, to, to do that again, and if I didn't think we could, I wouldn't be going racing with Jeffrey in 2020. Right on. Do you have a favorite racing memory when you were racing? Absolutely. Uh, Springfield, 2001. It was a uh, triple header weekend, short track maybe on Saturday, mile on Sunday, mile on Monday, and we uh, we went there, and that was the first national I ever won. Uh, I think Nikki Hayden got second, J.R. Schnabel got third. We were all kind of growing up at the at the same time, and that was on a motorcycle that my father built at our in a little back garage at our trucking company in in Augray. So it was a real special time um, on a bike that he built. Um, yeah, it was it was really cool. So. I think a lot of racers, you know, their first national win is is, is the most memorable. And in mine, it was because it was, uh, you know, it was on a bike that my my dad my dad built, and it was it was a real cool experience. Talk about the talent of the riders you raced against. I mean, you were you were you were racing with Carr, like you said, Nikki Hayden, J.R. Schnabel. Um, the list goes on. Talk about how those guys were so fast back then, and and what was it like racing against those guys. Yeah, the depth seemed to be a little different back then than it is today. Um, the elite crowd today is, is is very, very, very elite. But it seemed like the depth, I, th- I think maybe in 2002, you know, there was maybe eight different winners in the first for eight races. You remember, Scotty, I think that was the year that Mr. Winsett won the first race at Daytona in the sweatshirt. I think we were just right. talking about that not too long ago. So, yep. I mean, what, what, a great, what a great time to be racing. I was at the end of Scott Parker's career where I got to race with Scott, and that's that's really cool for me to say that I did that. And then also got to race with some of the the most current guys, like like Jared Meese, who's you know going to go down the record books as one of the baddest dudes to ever ride a flat track bike. So what a what an interesting time uh, being able to race with with heroes like like Nikki Hayden and Jay Springsteen. I mean, it was cool to be able to ride on the same tracks with those guys. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, it was it was a really good time to be in flat track, in my opinion. The depth of the field was was very 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 deep back then, in my opinion. Who did you look up to when you were growing up? You know, being from Michigan, it was definitely the Scott Parker, Jay Springsteen um, deal. But as I got racing and 
probably my first couple of years as a professional, I think that most of us wanted to be like Nicky Hayden. I mean, I think that was real. We were very envious of his skill level and what he could do. And uh, um, I would say, yeah, definitely once, once things got underway, that was definitely my hero, man. I would have to agree with that. You know, he's he's one of my heroes for sure. I've heard a lot of people talk about your racing style. I was there. I watched you race. I think we raced against each other a little bit. I announced you race when I was doing Live Eye Sports uh, back in 06, I think, or somewhere around there. I, I remember announcing you race. And how would you describe your riding style? Probably aggressive. Uh, <laughs> you know, I had to sit out a race or two uh, for, for aggressive riding. So I was a little bit aggressive when I was younger. But... Um, but yeah, I also thought that once again, you know, I, I don't think I was a, you know, up by the the hay bales crazy cushion guy. I was uh, definitely, like I said earlier, I like the like the clay tracks. But I rode other other racers like uh, very aggressive, probably too aggressive. Um, and as I got older, I realized that, you know, that that was that was definitely not a sustainable way to go racing. Um, there was nothing worse during those times when some of your competitors, you know, were obviously weren't happy with you. It's such a small family of guys. Um, you, you don't want people to dislike you. And I had that for a little while. So I learned a lot from it. Some people still don't seem to let, let it go, but, uh, but I definitely have grown up, but yeah, very, very aggressive in my younger years for sure. Tell us about your amateur career. I know you won a lot of races. I think I parked next to you one time at the amateur nationals in DuCoin, Illinois, or something like that. And I think I swore you had 30 trophies beside your truck and your motorcycles and you're taking pictures and stuff like that. Do you have any idea how many amateur national championships you won? And and I'm not trying to say how good you were or anything like that, but I just, I mean, you dominated there for a while as an amateur. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's around around 40 amateur championships. Um, some of them I accumulated uh, through the ice racing world also, so um, so it could it could stack up more than others just because we did some of the ice stuff too. But yeah, it was a lot. It's probably over 40. I mean, holy cow, Scotty! I think I won one just a couple of years ago on ice in like the 30 plus class or something. So they were as maybe like to uh, you know to 2000 and uh, 2018 or 17 or something. I was I. I still won one in the old man's class here up on the ice in Michigan. So, yeah, pretty, pretty funny stuff. <laughs> old man isn't over 30. Man, you're making me feel really old. I'm 47 now. Jeez, come on, Brian. <laughs> So, yeah, it, it's really cool to still be able to uh, go go to those ice races and, and still race and be competitive and, and try to, uh, I, I really have, Scotty, tried to, you know, not forget where I come from. So I tried to go to some of the uh, the district races here in Michigan and, and, and give some support and, 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 and things like that. So, uh, and I do enjoy going to those ice, local ice races too, which I know are not a big deal in the world of professional sports, but uh, just try not to forget where you come from, man. Yeah, I remember where your roots are, that's for sure. So I talk about it with all the racers that, that I talk to on the podcast here. Tell me about the transition from, you know, from winning all those races and as an amateur moving up to the pro ranks. How hard of a step is that? That was a that was an eye opener. You know, I was probably um, not probably I was you know a pretty arrogant young man in my my later amateur years, and you thought you were, I thought I was going to come into the pro ranks and. And it was going to be fairly, fairly easy. And I learned uh, real quick um, that it wasn't that it, it wasn't that way. Um, like I said, I think Lima was my first national. 
I made the main event. I believe I was on the front row, and I think I finished like 15th that, <laughs> that night, and I came in, and my dad, I remember, I'll never forget what my dad said. He goes, son, that was the fastest trip to the back I ever seen. And I was like, <laughs> I said, those guys are mean. Those guys are mean, man. Like, he pushed me around. And so, so uh, I learned real quick that there was a whole nother level there. And, um, but what a humbling experience, a lot, a lot to learn. Um, if I had to do it all over again, I definitely would have done a few things differently, but, uh, what a, what a, what a great experience and what a big transition. I think that I, I sure don't have the answers, but I think that, um, a different path, um, from, from the amateur ranks to the super twins or AFT singles would be beneficial to the, to the young people today, because I know that was a, an awful big step for me. I know, I know it's hard because you know, like you said, you think you're the fastest thing out there as an amateur, and then you go pro, and and you know, I went, I went expert. It was, it was back then, it was pro sport expert, then grand national expert, and all I want to do is get to the grand national expert level, and and I didn't care about riding 20 times as an expert or anything like that. I just wanted to get to the top level as fast as possible, and I think a lot of young kids are that way. Um, is there something you would tell these kids right now? I mean, maybe spend one more year in the singles class or spend a year in the basic twins class, or what would you tell the up-and-comers right now? Don't be in a hurry. <laughs> Just like you said, don't be in a hurry. You see it every week. Um, right. Spend the time. Make sure that you're – just because you're turning 16 doesn't mean that it's time to go AFT singles racing. Uh, a good friend of mine that I that I help out here in Michigan, Brandon Kitchen, his parents held him, I, I believe, for a year or two um, because they didn't feel like he was quite ready. And then then when he jumped in there, he was you know he was competitive and he was comfortable. But absolutely, just because you're 16 doesn't doesn't necessarily mean and that you're ready to go professional racing. And um, yeah, definitely this this the singles class to me that's the first step. And that production twins class, I'm a big fan of it. I, I love that these guys can ride twins on the same tracks as Briar and Jared and all those guys and get a little feel before they get thrown right to the wolves. So I, I love it. I, I personally like it. I think that helps a lot too. And, you know, and, and Johnny Lewis has the, the, the flat track futures trying to get these young kids out there on the national style racetracks. I think that, you know, the, the more people that have a place to ride like that and trying to get on the national tracks, the better off they will be as professional riders. I could not agree more. Could not agree more. And some of these racetracks are so, so unique, your Peoria and your Springfields and, 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 and there, there's a, there's a lot of them. It'd be sure be nice to, have those racers touch those racetracks before they have to line up with the with the fastest guys in the world. Yeah, absolutely. So your first win we just talked about was in Springfield at the short track. Your next win was in 2002 at the Granite City Half Mile on a Harley. Can you walk us through that day? What was it like winning for the second time, your second Grand National? Patiently waiting, you know, because when you win one, it's such a big weight off your shoulders, and then you're you're ready to win again. And uh, so that that wait took almost uh, took about ten months to win the second one, and it was uh, it was just uh, it was that was once again that was a really good night. That was a car track half mile, something that that I felt like I excelled at in myself and Johnny Murphy and Kenny Coolbath and I don't remember who else maybe that day, but probably like a Kevin Barnes. That was that was like the elite group of of young guys back then. And it was, it was a great race, uh, lots of pass and aggressive riding on, on many parties ends. And, uh, to win that, I won that on Greg Crow, uh, on one of Greg Crow's Harleys. Uh, I rode for those guys for a few years. And, uh, once again, what a, what a, 
what a what a great experience, you know. Um, you just when you're when you're in that moment and you're kind of young. I did not personally enjoy all those moments and, and, and take a step back and really enjoy them because you thought there's going to be many, many more wins and there wasn't. And so uh, <laughs> there's another word of advice for the young kids, you know, like cherish those moments. And I mean it because you just don't know when your last one's going to come. Mine came, uh, mine came that night and I never won again. So it was a struggle. Yeah. I, you know, when we were doing research for the podcast today, I looked at the record book and, and I was, I was kind of blown away that you won two nationals. I thought you would have had a handful, maybe ten. You know, I you know I knew you were a fast guy, and I was a little bit surprised by just two. Yeah, yeah, it's it, and I think that's why I felt I personally felt like my career was fairly long, even though it really doesn't look that way. I just I always thought there was going to be that next year where I'm going to do things a little different. I'm going to be able to steal a few more wins, and I was just not that guy. And you look at guys down the road that I grew up with, you know, Brian Smith for saying, you look at his career and uh, his record, his record's a lot, a lot, a lot better looking than mine. But, you know, I got to win a couple of nationals and, um, you know, so it, it, there's guys that raced a long time. You take guys like Sean Russell, who great racers, great racers. They never got to win. Um, they, they, they sure would have liked to win one. And guys who won one championship, they want to win two. So it's the racer mentality. It's never good enough. You're never winning enough. It just is what it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, some people never make Grand National main event. So you did that in your first race. You went on to win two nationals. So I think you had a very, very, you know, a great career. Um, I think you're a very solid talent also out there. So what was it and what made you decide to walk away from racing? You know, um, three things. First, um, my results were not were not getting any better. Uh, I was I was getting a little bit older. Um, the family business was calling my name because that's more of a sustainable future than probably racing motorcycles. And at the time, it was the two thousand seven, eight, nine time where the economy was at its lowest in my lifetime, and sponsorship was tough. I mean, there's it, it, it seems like it's tough every year, but it was it seemed really tough back then. So it was just one of those times where it was the perfect storm, Scotty, and it was time to uh, time to do something else. Um, that time's going to come for every racer, whether it's now or down the road, it's going to come. So, you know, my father and I did a lot of a lot of talking, and uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the easiest decision of my life, but uh, but yeah, it was it was just it was the right time. I get it. So talk about you know you stepped away for a while, about ten years. Flat track never leaves your your blood. How did you transition to becoming a mechanic? Great story. Uh, I can sum that up in 30 seconds. Uh, I build ice tires, a lot of ice tires here in Michigan, and uh, uh, Henry Wiles called me and needed some ice tires, and so I built him some. Uh, He picked them up the day before the race. We went to the Ice Nationals, and he beat me on my own stuff, so I was a little upset with that. <laughs> but I got to know Henry a little bit because I wasn't a big Henry Wilde fan back when I was a little bit younger. But I got to know him a little bit, and um, that was probably in February of 2018. And we didn't really chat anymore, and he was at Atlanta. I think that was maybe round two in 18. And he texts me, it was during the rain out, and he texts me a, uh, a screenshot, I'll never forget this, of, of, of his qualifying time was fourth or fifth or something like that. And he says, you know, dude, I could win with a little bit of your help. And I blew, I don't even think I responded to his wow. text message. And I'm like, I don't want to wow. deal with him. I don't want to de- go to flashback races and be a bike pusher. I'm not going to deal with this guy. 
And after about 20 more text messages of me not responding and him <laughs> saying nice things, I said, well, bring that thing over here and we'll see what we can do. So after uh, Atlanta, he dropped it off. And uh, I think round three was maybe Dallas. And that was my first race with him in 2018. And just no different than, than you, Scotty. It's in your blood. You're just doing uh, it's a different position now. Instead of riding it, you're working, you're working out. What a great, uh, what a great opportunity that he gave me, and um, such, such an interesting deal. Because when we grew up, Henry and I weren't the best of friends. I don't think we were enemies. We weren't the best of friends. So it was gonna, a lot of people were watching closely to see how it was going to work in the pit area. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, a, a couple of cocky guys getting together. Don't think that that's usually going to work out. But as we get older, we mature, and maybe the cockiness isn't so much when, when you're in the same pit area together and you guys can get along. I think it worked out well. You guys end up second in the point standings. It, it was it was great. There was um, there was no ego. There was there was none of that. And um, you know, Henry treated me with respect for two years, and I think he um, you know he knew how hard I worked on him, and that I brought some value to to his program. Um, but yeah, it was, I have, you know, people, some people, you know, it's easy to make jabs at people these days and some people will make jabs at him. And I'm like, ah, you don't really know him because he's not a bad guy and he does work hard. And the people that are, that are close to him, he takes care of. And, um, yeah, I have a, I have a whole new respect for him. So, um, even though he'll be doing something different in, in 2020, um, when he wins Daytona, I'll be the first dude there, man, to, to pat him on the head. So I'm I'm excited for the for the rest of his career. What do you what do you think he's going to do in 2020? I think you know, drop back to the singles. He was so fast on the 450 and won a lot of Grand Nationals on 450s. What do you think his chances are? And what do you think he's going to do in 2020 on the RMR Honda? Well, I think the game's changed, though. You know, back when he was so dominant on those 450s, they were just these little bullring tracks, your Springfield short track, these indoors, Peoria, TT, things like that. Now these, these guys are riding these things on big tracks. They're riding them. It's, it's, it's a different game. Um, I think he'll go out, and I think he's going to make everybody look silly at Daytona. I think he's going <laughs> to put a beat down on them. I hope he does. And I think he's going to win his, his share of races. I think they um, – It'll be interesting to see how he does on the bigger tracks uh, versus some of the, the the younger, I call them kids, but the younger kids who have more experience riding these 450s on these big tracks. Uh, I think that's going to be different for him. And I talked to him just a few weeks ago about it. And what made me feel so good about his chances is he knows he's not going into this thinking that this is a shoe-in for the number one play. He knows he's going to have real challenges. And, um, and I was really excited to hear that, that he's, he's very humble about it. He knows that this is going to be tough. And um, yeah, I, I think he has good chances though. I, I really do. I think he's going to be a very consistent racer. I, I think he's going to have a lot of fun out there. I think, you know, where he might struggle and this just might be my opinion is He's a little bit bigger guy, so maybe on the miles, it might be hard to get as small as you can for the draft. I mean, that might be the only place I think he'll struggle. I, I would agree. And, and I, it always concerns me on the car track half miles with him. It, it concerned me on the twins with him, um, whether it was his technique or the setup or whatever it may be. But, um, you know, I, I try to picture um, what I've seen the last couple of years in the singles class, and he, he knows that class is ultra-competitive, and there's a lot of um, very talented racers there. Um, but he's won a lot of 450 nationals. We can't forget that, and he's on a great motorcycle. So 
I don't know. I'm not going to bet against him, dude. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not either. I think my money's got to be on him, too, to be winning some races for sure and definitely be a contender for the championship. Uh, there's some scuttle going on on social media about you think AFT is going to let him ride a Honda in Peoria in the Twins class. And I think him on a Honda 450 would would be pretty interesting to see if he'd keep up with the Indians. I don't I don't know. I mean, I think I don't think it ever happened, but what do you think? Yeah, it'll probably never happen, uh, in, in my opinion, but... I mean, I, anybody in their right mind is not going to bet against the 17 at Peoria. I don't care if we're racing wheelbarrows, man. I mean, there's something about it. He told me the he told me the first year we were together that he he runs his program in two segments. It's all the races in one segment, and Peoria is is he treats it as a whole other season. And I, he wasn't joking, and I saw how he does this and how he prepares for it both physically and mentally and. Uh, it's it's one of the most interesting things I've ever seen in my life. Um, but what I learned is hands down what I have seen and is there is nothing special about his equipment or anything like that for Peoria. It's all him, and I've seen it firsthand because I was a little bit surprised. I thought I was going to really see something that I could use for the rest of my career as a crew chief, and I saw nothing but the guy on the seat. So it was <laughs> it yeah, was I, he's that he's, he's just that good there, man. I, I agree, and and you know what, Brian? There's there's not just one spot where he's better than everybody else. He's just better than everybody else on the whole damn track, and and it's it's you can't you can't put into words where he's faster, and these guys can't figure out how to beat him. Yeah, you know some of these some of these guys when they retire from racing, they come back and you know like your Ronnie Jones, and they'll do some of the the smoother tracks or the miles or something like that. I think Brian Smith told me, you know. A couple months ago, that Henry Wiles will still be winning that race when he's 55 years old, and I won't bet against it, man. <laughs> I agree with you. So uh, we, we we talked about Henry a little bit, but the main reason I called you is because you got a new deal leading into 2020, and and I'd like to know how your part of the deal fell together, but it's James Monaco, who was hurt last year at Minnesota, got together with Jeffrey Carver, and the big news I saw was they called you to be their mechanic. So how did this deal come together? Yeah, so what an interesting, uh, what an interesting deal all fall. Um, I was talking with other teams, uh, large teams, about about um, being a part of their program, and um, for whatever reason, we just couldn't couldn't put something together. A lot of them involved me relocating from from my uh, my small town here in Michigan, where where I where I was born, and raised, where I have everything that I need here. Um, and I really I told my wife, I said, we're not, we're probably not going racing this year. So back to fishing and back to this and back to that. And we're just going to have, we're just going to be normal people again. She goes, all right, that's cool. And she knew I wasn't going to be happy doing that. And then um, I got a phone call from, uh, from Cully. And he said that he was talking to, to James a little bit and, and James wanted to go racing. He told me that him and Jeffrey were talking and I said, that would be something that would be kind of, kind of fun so um i'll be honest with you i've probably talked to jeffrey 10 minutes in my entire life so this is um this is going to be very new for me uh what i know about him simply is is uh he's a very naturally talented guy in my opinion um and his fan base is very large other than that i don't know a whole lot but i know just enough to know that for the last two years at a lot of races uh henry and i were chasing that chasing that guy on the racetrack so um this is going to be interesting to um to work with him a little bit and, and learn my crew chief position is only about two years old so i don't i don't know that much and i sure don't have a 
a broad spectrum of rider uh, notes. So it'll be interesting to see the difference between Jeffrey and Henry. I'm sure there's going to be some substantial differences. But yeah, I think it's also there's going to be a lot of things that are similar. Also, I think it's going to be a very limited program as far as funding goes and resources, which we're used to, which I'm used to dealing with with Henry. So I think it's going to be very similar as far as that goes. So I'm very interested. I'm very interested to get underway. My next question, I guess, is are you keeping the bikes up there in Michigan or are you flying in and flying out or how's all that logistically going to work? Yeah, so basically the bikes, some of the equipment that the 17 used last year, uh, owned by Dan Calkins at DPC Racing in uh, in Illinois, Um, since Henry is going for 50 racing, um, these bikes have been in Michigan for two years now since I've been working on them. They've never, they've never left here. They've always been in my possession, and I've been working on them throughout the week and throughout the winter and so forth. So I kind of had these bikes over in the corner with a blanket over them, and I knew that Henry was going to go 450 racing, and Dan called me, and he wants to go racing, and he seems to um, be a believer in what I'm doing, and, and, and I think he we became good friends, and I said, well, I've kind of been talking to Carver. What do you think? He's like, let's go racing, dude. I'm like, well, that, that was easy. I said, so I pulled, the, I pulled the bikes out of storage, basically, put them in the shop. And so it's basically the same equipment that 17 used last year is what Jeffrey will be on in um, 2020. Wow, that's big news, man. Congratulations. I'm excited to see what the 23 does. As we talked to Monaco last week, he decided you guys were just going to pick and choose which races you wanted to go to. Uh, you know, no TTs is what he said. So are, are you on board with that? I think, I think that's a good decision because if the rider's not comfortable on a track, there's really no reason to go. You're a hundred percent. You could, you could be a part of this team any day. Cause you think just like me, whether that's right or wrong, um, you know, I don't want to speak for Jeffrey, but at the end of the day that there's no point fun, there's no reward to do all the races. Yes. There's a number one play. I, I get that. But for a guy like, I mean, in 18, when, when Henry got second in the championship, he, he made $0 for that. So there, there's, in order for us to, to, to do the TTs with Jeffrey, we're going to have to build a TT bike and spend uh, more resources and more time, more energy into a TT program that he's not really stoked on jumping the twins. And, um, and, and once again, there's no reward to do all the rounds. Um, and if I can keep, if the, if the rider's happy for 14 or 15 rounds versus unhappy for 18, let's just go the one he wants to do, which is still 14 or 15 races, and go there with legitimate shots to win races, have a good time, and um, and try to do our best. So I, I'm, I completely respect what he wants to do. I mean, I'm definitely, I haven't and will not pressure him to... Uh, to do the TTs. I said, I told him though, I said, when we were first talking, I said, you're really going to kick yourself in the butt, dude. If we, when we miss Daytona and then we go to round two and we win and he said, Nope, he was, he's very content with his decision. And I like that. That's awesome. I do too. So if you're not racing the TTs and if there's some off weekends, will you ride some outlaw races? We go to Canada. Have you guys even talked about that? Yeah, we haven't talked about that, but I know we're actually putting probably maybe James's personal Indian that he rode in 2019. We're going to get that together for, for Jeffrey so he has a bike down in Illinois so he can do some outlaw races, as you, as you mentioned, and, um, and, and kind of stay sharp and do some racing like that. So, uh, yeah, those things are definitely um, options, and I think we know from 
Jeffrey's previous seasons, he's not afraid to do some of the little outlaw races and things like that, which I'm a huge fan of, especially if we have a little bit of extra equipment too. Yeah, and you know what I what I think is the more you ride, the sharper you are. I mean, some some riders like Brian Smith, he can just show up at a Grand National and run up front. But you know, I'm I'm old school. I wanted to ride as many times as I could, and I think that's good for you. So I'm glad you guys are going to run some other races besides just the nationals. Yeah, and and this is just for 2020. So who knows what the next year will bring? Um, you just never know. So I'm glad this opportunity came up. It's it's good for Jeffrey. It's good for me to still be racing and. Um, doing my part to give back to the sport you know I, i'm trying to i'm trying to diligently promote and grow my own brand here so um i need racers like like henry and jeffrey on my stuff making it look as good as it can or henry thinks that he sometimes makes it look better than what it is but either way i'll take it so you know it's 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 good you know because i try to do most everything i can myself so in my shop you know we have lathes and mills and i have a uh, state-of-the-art dyno with with electric eddy current load control and um so i'm doing i'm not outsourcing much <laughs> at all to say the least so when when i mean that we're building the engines here like i'm building the engines here completely so um i'm trying to do everything myself so if and when jeffrey can win a race um it's very satisfying to me i think this is an ego-driven sport and i wish I maybe wish it wasn't like that for me, but but it is. For for two years, I I, I pictured in my head what it was going to be like to win a national with with Henry, and it, it was it was disappointing that we never did get to win. We were close a few times, and I knew it wasn't due to lack of effort. But um, you know, it's you just never know how good your stuff is until you compete at the highest level. And um, you know, it's the same old theory, Scotty. To be the best, you got to beat the best, and that's what keeps me keeps me driving. Yeah, I I agree, and, and you know, there's a lot a lot of competition out there, and, and to beat the factory team, you know, that's going to be tough. But I I think you can do it. I think you know, it's not if Jeffrey Carver wins the race. I think it's going to be when he wins a Grand National. So I think you got a good rider, not not taking anything away from Henry, but I think you guys got as good a shot as anything. But there's one more piece of the puzzle too, and it's actually your good friend, a guy that's from my hometown where I where I was born, and that's Coley Mullage. So what is Coley going to bring to the table for your team? So Colin and I became friends through Henry. Him, uh, himself and Henry are great friends. Uh, so I got to meet Cully through there. I knew he he was he did some fabrication, and I I, I didn't but I, I didn't know who he was. Got to meet him. Became great friends with him the last uh, couple years, and got to see what what his strengths are. Uh, most people in the sport know his strengths are on the fabrication side. Most importantly, the exhaust side of things. So Cully will be taking basically our production bikes. A lot of people think that we're going to be coming out with these different, whole different motorcycles that are going to be like Howerton bikes or something. It's it's not like that. We're actually going to be riding production Indians. But Colby's going to put his little twist on some of the different materials and try to lighten these things up and, and do do just a few modifications, some things to put, um, you know, to, to make, to physically fit Jeffrey on the bike a little bit different because Jeffrey is a little bit taller. So um, basically, uh, Cully, his his fabrication is is, is top of notch, uh, and basically try to lighten these things up. And then week to week, uh, he'll be spending some time in Michigan with me, and also be a, a great hand at the racetrack along with my my good friend Dave Tayo. He'll be helping too week in week out. So um, we've got a neat little small team, um, just like a lot of the teams out there. And it'll be interesting to see where we where we stack up against everybody else. So. 
Carver likes to have a little personal touch to his bikes too. Um, I can't wait to see what you guys come out with. I think it's going to be cool. It's going to be exciting, and I can't wait to see them. I guess it'll be the second round because you guys are skipping Daytona. Is your wife going to be going to the races with you again this year, or is she going to stay at home, or have, have you guys even talked that far? Yeah, she'll be going to some races for sure. She uh, she's a uh, um, she works at Ed Dow here in Michigan, so she has a real job and she's the um, she's the breadwinner of the family. And uh, you know, so uh, she'll go to as many as she can. But the one she goes to, I know different than the last couple of years, she doesn't go there as like a normal uh, wife or girlfriend spouse. She goes there and she's hustling. She's got the starter. She's putting tear offs on the helmet. Her hands are greasy. I know. I know at Lima. We were sitting next to the Harley guys, and they were pointing and laughing because she was taking the radiator off and cleaning it and stuff. And I'm like, hey, man, she, you know, no, this isn't no factory deal. Nobody rides for free. She's going to carry her own weight. So <laughs> she, uh, she she hustles, and she likes doing it. She, uh, she's she got her own dirt bike and rides with me on the ice, and she goes pretty fast. So uh, awesome. she's, not the, she's not the normal chick, man. So she's pretty cool, and she's into it. And she wants to win just as bad as me. You know, she's, she's yelled at Henry a few times for, you know, we're not getting a good start or something. So, uh, so yeah, but it's gonna it's it's exciting. My my parents will be going to some races. We kind of try to keep it a family deal, and uh, I'm really I am really looking forward to it. I'm glad I'm going racing in 2020, and uh, hoping hoping we can we can we can win a race or two. And I'd sure like to see that 17 win uh, winning that singles class too. Absolutely. Before we move away, before we wrap things up. Let's talk about the Super Twins. So the way I understand it, you guys are going to be a wild card and you're going to try to race your way in because you're not going to every round. Is that the way you understand it? Yeah, that's accurate. I'm not an expert on this new uh, these new real rules. Uh, Jeffrey told me to stay out of the politics and build a damn motorcycle. So that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> but yes, there's no uh, <laughs> there's no freebies on the 23 team this year. So if the uh, you know if the chain flies off and in the semi at Springfield, we're done for the day. So no freebies. But that's um you know that's okay. I don't. Um, I don't have much of an opinion on on this new this new format. I think I understand what AFT is trying to do, and I respect what they're trying to do. Um, it just doesn't fit everybody's um, every, everybody's situation. It sure doesn't fit Jeffrey Carver's, and that's fine. So we will go there every week and uh, and race our way in. And if and if for some reason we don't race our way in, then we don't we don't deserve to be in there. So um, yeah, it'll be. It'll be interesting. I'm 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 excited to see where we stack up. I think all the teams are are working, you know, they're working very hard. And um, you know, Scotty, when you were racing, that you work all winter, all fall, and all winter on these motorcycles. And when it's time to go south for the first round or two, they're never ready to go. It's just time to load them up and go racing. And you think you might have some special, and it ends up being a failure, or who, who knows? So, yeah. um, yeah. I'm building, I'm building one that's pretty trick and pretty different. Hoping and praying it's good. And then I basically got like our old faithful production that production Indian that seems to they seem to do well every week um every time I get too far off of topic and go too far one way with these Indians it ends up getting worse so these bikes are pretty good as you know right out of the gate so try not to try not to overthink them too much try to polish the team up make sure everybody knows their duties make sure these things are reliable all the spare parts are in place and um you know, keep Jeffrey happy. If he's happy, he can win races. I saw it with Henry. When he was happy and focused, it was easy. And when he wasn't, it wasn't good. So um, 
All we got to do is keep Mr. Carver happy and he'll do just fine. Absolutely. I agree with you guys. And you got the best deal. You don't have to deal with any of the politics. So I think that's the best. I think that's a win-win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a great deal. And I can't, I can't say it enough that, you know, I just want to be a part of, of, of the sport. Hopefully this, the, a big part of the growth of the sport. I truly believe it's a good time to be involved with flat track. There is some positive things happening and, uh, I just want to be a part of it. And, uh, you never just know what the future is going to hold. You know, maybe, maybe this will be the start of something big for Jeffrey's career. So I love it. So we're at the part of the episode. It's time for Graham's question. I know I'm sure you've seen Graham at the racetrack. She goes through probably more races than I do, but, uh, <laughs> she said she, she hasn't really got to know you that well as a person, but she knows you like to go fishing. She knows you just skipped the Oklahoma City Mile when it was here last because you were at a big fishing tournament. So with this new deal with Carver and Monaco, will you be too busy to go fishing? <laughs> no, we'll be racing. We'll be racing. So uh, um, if Henry paid me more, I would I would have been there, but he didn't he didn't pay me enough. So uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm just kidding. So no, I'm I'm committed to Jeffrey for the year, and um, and the only reason that I didn't go to that deal and a couple of years ago is because Henry put this deal together so late. I already had some commitments, and that's one activity that my wife and I do is we do fish a lot. We do we do some competitive fishing as a as a husband and wife, um, so that's one thing we we like to do. But we we've learned lately that we also like to go race and we also like to win motorcycle races. So that's what we're going to focus on in 2020. We'll maybe just leave the boat in storage, so we'll be okay. <laughs> right, great answer. I love it. So now it's time for our rapid fire questions. Uh, just tell me what comes to mind when I ask you the question. Are you ready? 100%. What's the favorite bike you've ever ridden? Uh, 600 Rotax. Oh, I'm right there with you. What's your favorite we're racetrack to go? Yeah, we're, we are old. Yeah. What's your favorite racetrack? Whether it's one you've raced, whether it's one you watch, whether it's one you just want to race at, you know, what's your favorite track? Springfield Short Track. Even though we don't race it as the Super Twins, I'm there every Saturday night to make sure I watch it. Springfield Short Track. I love it. I agree with you. Who wins the singles championship in 2020? Wild. There you go. That's what I was wanting to hear. So uh, who, wins the, who wins the production Twins championship? Whoever's going to be riding a production Harley, and I don't know who those are, but it's a production Harley will win that. Wow, that's big news. If that happens, you heard it first right here from Brian Bigelow. So, last question uh, about the about the championship: Who's going to win the Super Twins championship? I think with what we know, with what we know now, it's going to be hard to beat uh, Briar. But um, but, so but you know what? Hold on, he, 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 he hold on. I take that okay. back. He's right. getting married. I'll take Jared. <laughs> Man, put a ring on that finger, it's going to slow him down, huh? Yeah, that's based on no knowledge at all. So <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, man. I love it. So now that, now that you're a mechanic, this next one, we're going to twist, twist it on you. So who is your favorite tuner of all time? Kenny Tolbert. Okay. All right. I got to follow up on that one. Why is he your favorite tuner? He's the, he's the baddest dude of all time. I mean, he's been at this for... Oh my God. I don't even know, 25, 30 years or something with multiple riders winning multiple races, multiple championships. And have you noticed every time they win, he gets on the back of the bike and he's still having fun. Like, how does that even happen? He still loves it. And I just, he's the baddest dude. I think it's because he goes fishing all the time. I think that's why you're partial. <laughs> there you go. You're right. hundred percent. Right. <laughs> I wish he'd answer the phone. We call him every week trying to get him to come on the podcast, but he just ignores me. But one day, one day I'll get him on here. 
Till then, you're going to have to settle for guys like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we can't talk to the winning crew chief, we might as well talk to the next, you know, second second winning crew chief, I guess. I mean, come on. So so we talked to Wiles about this. I think we've even talked to Mies about it. Uh, and you are a wrestler yourself. So there's been talk trying to get them to do a, a little charity match, a wrestling match between Mies and Wiles. Who, who would win that? Wiles. All right. Do you think you could beat either one of them? Are you kidding me? No way. Not even, no, I mean, that's why That's why I never mouthed off to Wiles before, so I didn't want him to put me in some kind of a tie me all up. So. <laughs> we, we got along so much, I was scared of the guy. <laughs> right on. And my final question for you, what are you most proud of? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm most proud of my, my racing career was 20% of who I am. You know, the rest, where, where, where it's in 2009 till, till current, you know, my life's changed. Uh, I got married to a, to a, a, to a great girl, still real close with my family and, and now, um, trying to win races as, as, as a, as a crew chief is a whole nother challenge. And I, I'll tell you, I, Kenny Coolbath, I'm going to use his quote when I talked to him a few weeks ago. He says, I don't know why, but I want to win more damn races as a mechanic than I do as a racer. Why is that? And I said, dude, I feel the same way. So I'm just, I'm, I'm proud that I'm still messing around with flat track and still being a part of it. And um, it's, it's, it's all these people. Um, it's such a small family. It's people like myself and, 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 and everybody else that, that keeps this deal rolling. So, yeah, I've definitely grown as a person for sure. Absolutely, man. And uh, I guess my final chance or my final a uh, little bit for you is, do you want to say thank you to anybody? Here's your chance to do so. You know, over, over in 2018, you know, Henry had some, some some great sponsors, and people list all these sponsors, and I wasn't really a part of all of those, but, you know, we wouldn't be talking right now, and Jeffrey wouldn't even ever called me, and all these other teams, if, if Henry didn't give me the opportunity to build his bikes the last couple of years. So, you know, we can sit here, and we can we can smooth everybody out there, but but if it wasn't for Henry, you know, a lot of these things the last couple of years would not have happened. So, he's been good to me. He's been good to my family. And he's been good to my brand also. So, uh, you know, I, I think this conversation just is is all about him. Dude, I love that. Thank you so much for your time. I know, I know it means a lot to us. It means a lot to our listeners to hear from you. And I wish you guys a lot of success in 2020. And uh, man, again, thanks for your time. Yeah, sounds good, guys. Take care. That was Bigelow, huh? That was, man. That was awesome. You know, he was a bit arrogant, a bit cocky when he was racing. Man, I got to say, that's one of my top three favorite episodes right here of Off the Groove. I loved it. I, I, it's why I love what we do, man. We, we get to understand the people who they were how they got into the sport why they love motorcycles so much and everybody's answers are a little different and you know you might think somebody is a certain way but when you really sit down and have a conversation with them that's when you get to know the real person and it seems like he's a pretty down to earth dude who's uh who loves some flat track and loves promoting the sport and you know maybe part of it is he's grown up he's matured he's gotten married uh and he's not he doesn't have the racer mentality right now. Put your helmet on, stay focused, and go out there and, and beat everybody. Knock them down if you have to to win. That that you know he's taking the helmet off and he's taking a look back, and it seems like now he's more focused to win a win a race as a mechanic than he was as a rider. Yeah, I was gonna say he's he might not be as uh, hyped up and excited as a rider gets, but he still wants to win. You could tell. Um, it was pretty cool too what to hear what he said and from Kenny Coolbeth, um, nonetheless too, that saying that. He wants to win more as a, as a mechanic and, and tuner and team owner type thing than he ever did on the bike, which is crazy. You would think that 
riding that motorcycle, you'd want to win more than anything. But I guess it's it's different, but same. Well, I get it. I mean, my dad, you know, he would spend hours and hours and hours in our shop and, you know, building the bikes. And just to see how excited he got when I won a race, I get it. I get what they're saying. I mean, I've never been in that position. I've just been, I've just been a rider. But, you know, if you can't ride anymore or if you don't choose to ride anymore, the next best thing is to be a part of a winning team and to, to know that you put that motorcycle together from the ground up. That's got to be a really cool feeling. Yeah, that's pretty badass. And, dude, I can't wait to see what those bikes look like like when they get to, to Atlanta, the way he's talking about it, man. It sounds like he's doing something pretty special with those Indians. Yeah, it's going to be exciting for sure. I'm, I'm excited for them, for Monaco to be you know, staying in the sport, for Jeffrey to be going out there to have fun again, and for Brian Bigelow to try to win a race as a mechanic, man. They've got a lot to prove, and I, I think they can do it. It was cool to hear his take on uh, on Henry Wiles as well, too. He spent the past two years working with him and, uh, and still wishing him well in the singles class, and I look forward to seeing how these four, four guys gel in 2020. It's going to be exciting for sure. What else, man? What are you doing this weekend? I'm off this weekend. Then I get kind of crazy with some, uh, I got some arena cross coming up. I got some monster truck stuff coming up, but I got some ice racing coming up. So uh, this is probably my last weekend off for a little while. Um, when I worked for Monster Jam, I was busy every weekend from January until March. And now that I don't work for Monster Jam, I still do some monster truck stuff. I, you know, and I picked up some ice racing stuff and some arena cross. So uh, enough to keep me busy. I'd rather be at flat track, but flat track doesn't run year round so if i if i can be at one i am definitely there you know and that's what the ice racing series comes in i like i like working for those guys as well love it man all right well i guess we can cut this one short then man i say short it's it's a little over an hour long but we can cut this one short we appreciate all of our followers our listeners and uh smash that like button tell all your friends about our podcast and i appreciate everybody who came up and asked for stickers at decoin i'll try to have stickers on me every time you see me so uh Appreciate all the listeners. We do it just for you guys. Carter, keep it on four wheels. Enjoy your last weekend off, and we'll talk to you next Friday. Peace. James is a great dude, and uh, uh, I, I'm really, I'm really pumped that his attitude is, uh, you know, I have some of these assets and I have some knowledge and I have some contacts. Why not put them all together and let's go racing? So what a neat little story. Him and Jeffrey are great friends. So this is, um, this is, this is, this is actually pretty cool. And after you get done talking to James on the phone, you hang the phone up, and I remember telling my wife, I'm like, how can you not, how can you not be a part of that deal? How, how can you not?